Hello, all you wonderful people out there. Welcome to episode seven of Opera After Dark. Hi, Javin della Causa. Get it? <laughs> Lovely. No one gets it. I, I mean, kind of, but will you explain what that what that is? Vasistas. Vasistas is just the opening of the Council Aria from The Marriage of Figaro, libretto by Juan Lorenzo da Ponte. The man of the hour. The man of the hour. So it's <laughs> the man. The man of the last hour. The man of this hour. Of all hours. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo da Ponte. So should we just jump right in and get back to the story? Let's do it. All right. So, so, so he's, he, he's in Vienna. He makes his way to Vienna. Mm-hmm. And basically, once he gets to Vienna, he ends up making the acquaintance of several people in the kind of theatrical mm-hmm. world. And in doing so, he gets the job of being the court poet to Emperor Joseph II. Mm. And... Apparently, in his memoirs, he tells of this meeting between himself and Joseph II, where Joseph II asks him, like, so how many, how many operas, how many plays have you written? And De Ponte says, well, actually, none. And then Joseph II is like, wonderful, a virgin muse for our court. <laughs> oh, <geez>. so, <laughs> so, yes, he gets this job, and then basically... <laughs> what? Nothing. Basically, he gets the job. Yeah, so so he gets the job, and right away he's kind of put to work writing opera libretti, Mm. and he starts writing libretti for Salieri and for Mozart, and basically those are his two, like, favorite people that he writes for. I think he might have written for Paciello as well. well. I think so, yeah. But he's kind of selective about the people that he wants to work with, like, and you have to understand, that nice. at that time, when he started writing libretto, it wasn't sort of this thing where you're creating this piece of art from, you know, the ground up. It was basically right. like a cut-and-paste cobble job. There were no copyright laws at that time. People were just stealing shit, like, left yeah. and right. You're basically yes. just recycling things. You just there was take, a like, a text of, that already yeah. exists. And exactly. They're translated and adapted. And also, yeah. a lot of the leading singers, not the composers would walk into rehearsals and be like, this is my aria. I sing this in every opera that I'm in. Change the lyrics so it fits into this. Mm-hmm. And so they would go and they'd readapt and retranslate things. So it was more of that kind of stuff. It was not like a time. glamorous Lame. job. No, 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 no. No. No, no, no. But reasonably, I mean, it seems like he was pretty good at it. Oh, he was oh, sure. quite good at it. And so he gets to the point where... Like, people are vying for his attention as a librettist. Salieri and Mozart basically both want him to write for them. Hmm. And he's kind of, like, overwhelmed with the amount of opera libretti projects that he has on the go at one time. Wow. So he writes The Nazi di Figaro, Don Giovanni, uh, Così fan tutte. And then uh, around the time that Così fan tutte makes its premiere... 
Um, Emperor Joseph II becomes uh, in poor health, mm -hmm. right? And then uh, by the time Mozart dies in 1791, uh, Emperor Joseph II also dies around that time. Mm. And basically, as soon as Joseph II died, everyone started like plotting against De Ponte. Right. Well, apparently, De Ponte was not a well liked person. No. He was really arrogant. Mm -hmm. Um... And there is a story. Else is just jealous. Sure, he was reportedly for his entire life like a super overly confident man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The story that he's there was a story that um, they said he stood with his chest thrust so far forward that he had to put his cane behind his back to lean on so he didn't fall over. <laughs> um, you understand at this time the arts were sort of dependent entirely on patronage. So as soon as Joseph II was dead like somebody else was in there right away and he didn't have any sort of protection and they conspired to get him out of there because they hated his guts. Bummer. Yes, he was formally dismissed yep. in 1791 and then this article says due to his intrigues, which is a, kind of a vague way of saying all the things he was up to right. of Sex ill repute, right. <laughs> possibly that as well. Um, he was cut off, so he got no more support from the new emperor, Emperor Leopold, and then... So in, by 1792, he's no longer liked in Vienna. He's no longer able... He still can't go back to Venice because he's still banished. Mm. So he decides around 1794 that he's going to leave Vienna. He, well, I heard that the police ordered him to get out of town. Yes. For whatever reason. But also, interestingly, at this time, this is when he meets... Um, a woman named Anne Celestine Grawl, who was known as Nancy. She was the daughter of a merchant and a moneylender. And um, she was allegedly very beautiful, sweet-natured, very smart. She was in her 20s. So she decided to marry a man who was in his 40s. And they got married, and that was that. And apparently he was, you know, lecherous but faithful to her for the rest of their and lives. And she was apparently extremely devoted to him as well. Yeah. Although, most likely knowing about all of his philandering, I'm sure. Probably. So yeah. they, they get married, and they pack it up, and they move to London. Yes, right? but mm -hmm. the way they get there is really interesting, because before Emperor Joseph II dies, he because he likes de Ponte so much, and he can basically tell he's on his deathbed, and he knows that it's not going to end well for de Ponte once he's dead, he gives de Ponte this like, letter of introduction to his sister, Marie Antoinette. Wow! Yes. I didn't know that. And so DePonte has this letter, and so when they start packing up to leave town, initially he plans to go to Paris via Prague and Dresden, armed with this letter, right? And then, um, but before he leaves, he kind of seeks refuge, or on his way, he seeks refuge with his friend Casanova somewhere in Bohemia. Mm -hmm. And Casanova's like, yeah, you might not want to do that. You might not want to go to Paris. Like, you should probably go to London instead. And at the time, Dumpante's like, no, no, I have this letter of introduction. It'll be great. But then along the way to Paris, he gets wind of the fact that Marie Antoinette is, like, basically almost on the chopping block, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And so then he reroutes and goes <laughs> to London. <laughs> so I feel that this episode needs a little musical interlude. So let's all imagine that we're Dumpante on his way to London, and let's listen a little bit to that oh-so-famous Act One trio from Così Fan Tutte. Why not? So, 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 so. 
right. All right, so we're in London. So he makes it to London, and again, he Wait, like... do we know what year that is? I'm sorry 1792. And actually, another fun fact, when he's like on route and he stops off at Casanova's place, mm-hmm. apparently he did not fess up to Casanova that Nancy Grawl was his wife. He referred to her as his mistress to kind of keep the aura of his personality <laughs> alive. Cool. Yeah. Keeping his street cred. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my, it's my, my mistress. Friend. Right, who's actually my wife. Um, and they had four children together. Look at them. Eventually. Okay, so he has a rather precarious start in England. He tries a number of jobs. I think he tries to do some Italian teaching. He tries to run a grocery store. Uh, Um, He was a bookseller. Yeah. You know, the usual things. pianos. Uh Yeah. But then he ends up getting a job at the King's Theatre around 1803. And this is what kind of gets him started again back into the theatrical world. But the guy that ran the King's Theatre at this time apparently was super shady and had all kinds of really bad dealings. Mm-hmm. And he kind of manipulated De Ponte to like sign his name on things that were actually pretty shady in actuality. And then... So this gets him in a lot of trouble, and then around 1805, DePonte's basically in debt, he declares himself bankrupt, the authorities are after him because of all of his connection with all these shady dealings right. at the he King's Theatre. he co-signed all these loans. Yes. I mean, to him, and apparently in um, one three-month period while he was in London, he was arrested 30 times. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. So, and like his wife and children are like at home waiting right, for right, him right. and he's arrested multiple so, times. Eventually in 1805, Ponte did what all Europeans at risk for debtor's prison tended to do at that time. He immigrated to America. Nice. Um, just as a frame of reference, in 1805, this was the year that Thomas Jefferson had just begun his second term as president. Nice. Thomas yeah. Coming. Thomas Jefferson's coming home. We shouldn't have picked different keys. That was my bad. It's okay. It was around. Yes. Okay, so now he's in America. He's He's in in New York. He's in New York. Wow, he is where we are now. Where we are now. He's been in this spot, maybe. Mm, No. Um, so, but well, he, he was tried there. a bunch of stuff. Right. Again, the grocery thing. He again. ran a boarding school in Greenwich. Yeah. Oh. He tries book selling mm-hmm. again. Um, he actually goes to Pennsylvania for a short little stint of time, and apparently he opens a distillery and also a millinery shop. And it all failed. Because that does makes he have sense, this right? much time? I don't know. Um, apparently, at one point, all his creditors made off with the family's beds because there was nothing else to take. <laughs> I'm going to take your bed. But then he comes back to New York City, Mm -hmm. and he gets this job teaching Italian at Columbia College, which is now Columbia University. Hence our wine choice. Exactly. And I feel like De Ponte, Mm. his two big talents were um, sort of writing libretti, being a poet, and um, making himself really impressive to powerful people. Mm. Yes. He really knew how to network. Yeah. So we ended I up also, with this job. I also feel like he had—he was like a cat. Like he always seemed to land on his feet no matter right. how bad the situation. So while he's at Columbia, this is like the one job that he's had that he actually flourishes at for a really long time, basically until his death. And he ends up building this massive library of like Italian literary classics at Columbia, which mm-hmm. apparently are still in their like special books collection. 
there. He also ends up funding, because he's finally financially stable and not in perpetual debt, so he ends up funding the first opera company in New Mm -hmm. York City. He also ends up funding the first opera house being built in New York City. And one of their first productions was Don Giovanni. Of course. course. And apparently everyone was super skeptical Mm -hmm. when he was like, we're going to mount Don Giovanni. And did you know, by the way, that I wrote the libretto for this? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was like, really? Really? (laughs) I don't believe you. (laughs) So. But the story of how he got that job at Columbia is actually kind of cute. Do Um, tell. So... He was in his bookstore, and he started talking to this young man, and they were having this conversation, and the young man um, sort of disparaged Italian literature, and in response, DePonte delivered a really long oration on the glories of Italian poetry, and then he finished with a suggestion that he himself was available to teach on that subject. And the young man was named Clement Clark Moore, who was... um, a scholar and also author of A Visit to, from St. Nicholas, which is known today as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Wow. But his father is a man named Benjamin Moore, who was the Episcopal Bishop of New York and also the president of Columbia College. Wow. So three days later, that's how he got that job. Well, there you go. Yeah. Never know. The benefits of networking. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that... We could listen to a little bit of Don Giovanni since it was sure. the big opera that he brought to New York City. What should we listen to? I have had in my head the bit from the very end with the commendatore. Don Giovanni. Yes. You're a douchebag. <laughs> Basically what he yes, says. Yes, let's listen yes. to that. All right, here Beautiful we go. translation.
So DePonte finally, you know, stays around in one job without debt for a while at mm -hmm. Columbia and does great things both for the Italian program at Columbia University and for just the arts in general and opera in right. New York City. Yeah, what was the name of the opera company, do we know? Oh, yes. It um, basically... It was the first opera house in the United States, the New York Opera Company, in 1833. Mm. Um, however, owing to his lack of business acumen, it only lasted <laughs> two seasons before the company disbanded and the theater was sold. Wait, did mm -hmm. you say 1883? 33. 33. 33. That makes yeah. sense. But DePonte lived to a ripe old age. He survived his wife, Nancy who died mm -hmm. in 1831 with a bout of pneumonia. Um, so he was taken in by one of his sons, and he lived again to that ripe old age the most uh, for the rest of his life. He pretty much just spent writing his very scandalous <laughs> memoirs, which <laughs> I recommend memoir. reading just like the first half. <laughs> um, the second half is basically him just complaining about all the people that have done him wrong Yikes. in his life. But the first mm -hmm. half is really entertaining. There's also some really good books out there mm -hmm. about DePonte. Yep. Uh, there's one called The Man Who Wrote Mozart, The Extraordinary Life of Lorenzo DePonte. That's by Anthony Holden. Also, The Librettist of Venice, The Remarkable Life of Lorenzo DePonte, Mozart's poet, Casanova's friend, and the Italian opera's impresario in America. <laughs> Mouthful. By <laughs> Rodney Bolt. Mm -hmm. And then... Very specific. The one that Elspeth mentioned uh, by Sheila Hodges. Uh, Lorenzo de Ponte, The Life and Times of Mozart's Librettist. Hmm. So you should check those out. If you're looking for a fictionalized version of de Ponte's life, <gasps> there is an Italian film that came out in 2009 called Il Don Giovanni. Um, <laughs> and it is the story of Lorenzo de Ponte up until, I think, his time in Vienna when he meets his wife. So you should check that out. Lots of great singing. They actually cast actual opera singers in some of the oh, roles. Oh, really? Um, we should have Italian movie night. We should have yes. Italian movie night, but we'll put the trailer up on the blog. You should see if you can find that somewhere. I don't think it's on YouTube, but mm -hmm. you can probably do some digging and find it. It looks like a beautiful, amazing Italian movie set in the 18th century, so you should check it out. And the blog is at Opera After Dark. At all, as always, is at www.operaafterdark.com. All right, I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion of Duponte. Do we know how, so. how he died? Like, what, the cause of death? Just I don't age? think just old age. Good for him. Because like Naomi said, I think he was in his 90s. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's Excellent. Well, I mean, if he now died in 1838, he was born in 1749. Oh, math. I'm too drunk for this. 89. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll cut this. Yeah, Fine. No, yes. No, yeah, it's 89. 89. Years old. Let's Love say he was 89. Sure. I was wrong. That sounds good. Thanks, yeah. Kyle. Does well. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see if Grove tells us how he dies. Uh, while Naomi is doing that, I just want to remind everybody to, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Wait, do we know what we're talking about next episode? We do. Right. Next episode, please join us because we're going to talk about one of the most famous and scandalous love triangles in music <gasps> history, Clara Robert Schumann and the one and only Johannes Brahms. Ooh, Ooh. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. What are we gonna What are we gonna listen to going out, Naomi? Yeah, <laughs> going out. What should we listen to? Some Figaro. Figaro, obviously. Who are we going to listen to? 
I feel oh, like you're putting me on the spot here. We do Voike Sapete or Well, seeing as you have a huge crush on Isabel Leonard, we'll listen yeah. to Isabel Leonard singing Voike Sapete. Voike Sapete. Why not? All right. We did the wine bottle the first time. We already, right. Oh, yeah. We already did um, the singing of the Don Giovanni. I should look if there's any of those instruments in the closet. There's, like, rain sticks and oh, stuff yeah. in there. Oh, yeah. Do that. We, we should, no, we should, should funny, we should like, do another Don Giovanni Don Giovanni, I'm a douchebag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, you've yeah. already done that. I know, but we should do really a different funny. opera. A, what are our other De Ponte operas? Cosi and Figaro. Cosi. Mm-hmm. Cinque. Are you driving to la causa? That should be it. Okay. Just that. Uh, is that going to be funny to other people? I don't care. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Okay, I'll, I'll start the intro. That's lost my train of thought. Let me do that again. What else were you talking about? I guess how he died. How did he die? I don't know how he died. He just died. I mean, he was like 80-something. <laughs> <laughs>